Geekish Cast is a member of the Astro Panda Productions Network. Welcome back to Geekish Cast, the world's reigning heavyweight champion of geek talk on the internet. I am your host, Jeremy, and joining me today is Rico E. Anderson, writer, actor, and uh, award show presenter extraordinaire. What's happening, Rico? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing quite well. Um, let's see here. I, I, we recorded a little while back, probably four or five months ago, and I was having a entire month and a half of bad recording stuff. <laughs> So uh, thank you for coming back on. I know you've joined us a time or two on the live episodes on Thursday, so it's always fun having you on. Thank you very much. Too bad you lost the other recording. You know, that was the uh, secret of life, and I could only say it once. And so I, um, I understand. So, if I remember right. right, we actually covered how to turn lead into gold, too. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. But, you know, I could only say it once. So, exactly. Uh, I so, don't know what to tell your viewers. Much like, the, <laughs> much like the, uh, the library at Alexandria, it has just lost a history at this point. Exactly. What are you going to do? Yeah. So, it, it kind of reminds me of, um, uh, you know, how the history of the world part one, when, um, you know, when uh, Mel Brooks's Moses comes through and he's like, um, uh, the, uh, 15. The, the 15 commandments. Yeah. And then he drops the tablet and is just like, oh, my God, what were those other five that were totally probably just, you know, screwing up over history? <laughs> That's good stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite Mel Brooks movie? Oh, you know, I, I can't name just one, but I will say between history. Listen, I, I, I was introduced to Mel Brooks uh, with History of the World Part One mm-hmm. um, and and I always die laughing whenever I see it. And after that, I remember um, Young Frankenstein. And what's funny is I kind of came into Blazing Saddles later in the game. Oh, really- yeah. Yeah, but I, I would say my my favorite, just because it was always my first and most endearing, is is uh, History of the World Part One. Okay, yeah. well that's that's a good one. I, I Blazing Saddles would be my favorite, but yeah. I think it is primarily because I remember my parents taking me to the drive-in to see it, and I was young, quite young. Uh, okay, and, and the farting around the campfire scene uh, probably oh, yeah. it informed my sense of humor for the rest of my life. <laughs> That, that was your uh, that was your mentor right there. Yeah, that was it. That was the moment. Um, speaking of mentoring, let's let's talk a little bit about what you've been up to here lately. Um, I know that yesterday did it air? Or did it record yesterday? The uh, Young Artist Awards. Uh, it recorded. It will be aired at a later date, I believe, sometime in April. I it's it's still up in the air as to when, but I. I the most that I've heard so far was April. So. Okay. But um, you were a presenter there. I was, yes. So why don't you tell us a little bit? I mean, you don't have to tip your hand as to who won or anything, but tell us a little bit about what happened with that. Well, the Young Artist Awards is more or less what it describes. It, it recognizes the, the, the up-and-coming young artists of, of Hollywood, the people that, that will be probably taking over Hollywood as we know it. And... Um, it recognizes them in all the genres from comedy to drama to uh, in, in, in t- television, short film, music and in, in just all sorts of genres and just their accomplishments. And it's 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 uh, labeled as like the young Oscars. And it's actually <clears throat> excuse me, it's actually one of the longest running 
award shows out because it's been around for 38 years. Oh wow! So yeah, so it's it's it has a, a very rich history uh, in the entertainment industry, and um, I was very lucky enough to be involved with them this year. I um, we we had actually found each other on online and corresponded back and forth from there, and so I pitched to them and and asked them if there was some way I can be involved with the, with the young artist awards and long story short, I mentioned that um, I, I'm currently officer Dan in the Kraft macaroni and cheese commercials. And this commercial is running on both Nickelodeon and Disney all the time. I mean, it's, 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 it's just running like wildfire. So part of my pitch was the fact to them was the fact that, listen, a big majority of the kids that you're uh, uh, honoring this year are on these shows that are on these networks that parents and kids are watching and seeing me all the time. So, you know, it's a nice little correlation. It's a, it's a cute little commercial and, you know, I have a, I have a pretty cool career and, and I've worked with children in various forms from television to mentoring to uh, various programs around uh, different schools and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I just kind of threw everything out there and, and they, they loved it. And so they invited me uh, to come through as a presenter and uh, it was, it was an incredible time. I, I, I just, I had a great time working with these kids and, and just being a part of it. I, I, I look forward to hopefully doing it again next year and, and, and for many years to come. That's awesome. Um, so let me yeah. ask you this. Is that a, uh, let me think of the right way to ask this. We're not talking, this isn't like kids that are from uh, already wealthy parents with all the uh, connections in Hollywood, or is it? Or what, what kind of kids get involved in this? Uh, the, these are, ba- <clears throat> excuse me, uh, mm-hmm. basically young actors, uh, young okay. actors who, yeah. So it, it, it's it, like all the Nickelodeon shows you see, all the Disney shows you see, um, just the, I did, these are, these are kids who are recognized for all that work, uh, and kids that you see on various network, uh, uh, other shows at various networks, uh, blackish and, um, okay. uh, so, how to so, get away with murder and, and, and shows like that. So. Okay. That's what I was curious about. Cause I, obviously I hadn't seen it, so I was kind of curious, but it, it, we were talking at working actors and that sort of thing exactly working actors in all aspects Mm -hmm. cool so um what what award did you present i presented in six categories Um, oh wow yeah yeah so what they did was they they had us uh they they had us come in and um and they, they they split it up into six various categories. So it's it was I think we were if I remember correctly we were about five groups a piece. Uh, I'm sorry, a piece. And um, yeah, and so we 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 presented in various awards. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head which awards those were. Um, which I guess I should know these things. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Yeah, we, we'll um, we'll know when it airs. I'm sure. Yeah, we will. We will. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to think off the top of my head a couple of them, um, but I, I know that I, I know there were a couple of uh, best uh, male and female in, in various genres. Actually, you know what? I, I just pulled something up, and I can tell you right now, one was uh, leading young actress in a TV series. Um, leading young actor in a TV series, best performance in a TV series by a leading teen actress, best performance in a TV series by a leading teen actor, best performance in a TV movie or special young actress, and best performance in a TV movie or special young actor. 
So wow, there you go. So yeah. take it, you had fun with this, huh? I did. It, it was a lot of fun. You know, it's it's you, you get on stage and um, you know, it's, it <laughs> theater is theater, no matter what you're doing on stage, and 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 it, it's 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 taped, it's live. And whatever happens, happens. You roll with it. You make it work. And you never know what's going to happen. Now, nothing happened. But, you know, it's all there. It's, it's always that fear or that, you know, that just that awareness that, hey, something could happen. Um, the teleprompter could go out. So, of course, know your lines just in case. Um, uh, somebody may drop a line, so you may have to pick it up. You know, sometimes you may want to take what's already done and make it more your own, make it more interesting, make it more um, more of a draw. So, what, what, what's going to bring more of the funny to that to that moment? So, you know, I'm saying all this to say that it, it had some great uh, moments in there that were vastly improved by things that were done by the various people on stage and including myself. So it was a lot of fun because you use a lot of your improv skills and you, you know, sometimes you just don't know what's going to come out. And, and in this case, everything, everything, all the wheels turned perfectly. It was, it was, it was great. It was great. You know, well, love when a good plan comes together. No, that's great. So yeah, that's, that's kind of cool. So you, you, you discovered them, you offered to uh, do this for them and it all came out well. And so that's cool. You didn't flub a joke or anything. I take it. No, I didn't. In fact, part of the, you know, the sketch before the, the announcements were there were a couple of um, couple of jokes and one of the jokes fell on me. And, um, you know, you only got one shot to do it. So it's like, <laughs> uh, here we go. Thousands of people in the audience. What are you going to do? So I said the joke. I got a, I got a nice little layer, top layer of laughter. So it was it was uh, a. <laughs> It, it worked. It That's worked. good because a lot of those award show jokes fall awfully flat. They do, and yeah. you could bomb quicker than oh god, you know, a bad comic at at the freaking comedy store. So, yeah, it, it was. Uh, it it worked. It worked. It it and it was a lot of fun. I I love that spontaneity, and I think a lot of that comes from the fact that I come from the theater. I you know I started in the theater, so I love that 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 autopilot that kicks in whenever you're on stage and you're, you're, you're just doing and being, you know? Yeah. That's, um, I mean, not that I have tons and tons of listeners when I do live episodes, but one of the things I've found when I do a live episode <laughs> is I actually, well, I, I don't want to say I put more thought or energy into it, but I seem to flow better and hesitate a lot less when I know that I can't screw around cause I can't just cut it out later. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and also you're not necessarily, it seems like you're not necessarily relying on just the fact that, oh, I can edit this, I can edit that. I mean, that's easy, but yeah. with, with it being live, you still want it to be the best that it can be. So you're doing as little editing as possible. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. So, and I did have, I mean, not to talk a whole lot about me or the show, but I did have a friend on one time and he emailed me the day it went live. He's like, can't you take out all my pauses? And I'm thinking, why why would you do such a thing? That's how you talk. Right. Yeah. Right. 
that's you. That's your personality. I mean, unless unless there's like a pause big enough to drive a train through it, it's just like, oh, yeah. hey, that's that's you. It's kind of like like um, I, I think a perfect example. Remember when uh, President Obama first came to the scene, like with me, and and a lot of his conversation paused with, uh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it got to the point where people noticed it and they were like, man, he does a lot of that. And even SNL like did parodies uh, of it and stuff like that. But eventually. Over over time, and I'm sure this was just with a, a media coach and just a, um, a a coach that you know, like a media. Oh well, yeah, I guess a media coach. You know, you're trained to kind of do less of that. It's, it's just it's kind of like you're trained to say less ums or you knows when you're talking, which I'm probably doing a lot of. But you you're trained to be more direct in your answers or your statements and the things that you're trying to convey, so it doesn't lag and so the editor yeah. doesn't have a whole lot of printing out. So. Yeah. So one time I went in to buy a new car. I, I I tend to like to drive really fast cars, Rico. And so I had a twenty. Yeah, I had a twenty thirteen Dodge Charger, and in twenty fifteen I wanted a newer red one. Okay. So I took it in, and the guy trying to mm-hmm. sell me the car tells me yeah. he's a stand up comic in the middle of it, right? <laughs> And I'm kind of getting tired of some of the back and forth that happens between, you know, you at the table and the guy running to the sales manager. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we're sitting there, and he's trying to pat it and talk and kind of keep me at the table while they run some numbers. And yeah. so I go, so you're a stand-up comic, huh? He goes, yep. And I said, where do you, you know, kind of like, where do you where do you practice at, this, that, and the other? And he's telling me about the clubs in Sacramento. And I look oh, wow. at him. I look down, <laughs> and I go, so why don't you say something funny, then, fuckhead? <laughs> <laughs> And it just stopped him dead in his tracks. He almost had to go get somebody else to sit with me because he was just like, at that point, he was so shattered. You know, though, comics hate that. Oh, they, you know. Yeah. But I was getting like, oh, you're a comic. Say something funny. It's like, yeah. oh, come on, man. It's like, no, nah, it doesn't work that way. Well, and kind of, kind of the reason I'm, it doesn't. Sorry, yeah, kind of the reason I'm bringing that up is because when you're on stage yeah. delivering a preset line, mm-hmm. that anytime I've tried to deliver a joke, that we had to build to or consciously work towards in anything, even just a bit with friends at a bar or something. Yeah. yeah. I choke. I choke <laughs> hard. <laughs> you, you just never know. I always treated like I can't, I can't suck in that case. You know, it's like, look, when I did, um, when I did young and hungry, you know, that's, that's a, that's a multi-cam comedy, uh, on a major network, great ratings, very popular show. I'm in it. I'm one of the. I'm the guest of the week. I, you know, lots of the jokes fall on me, mm-hmm. and it's like I just treat everything like that because you know everybody's watching you, and and sometimes you never know who's watching you. So I mean, you know, you have your off days, and sometimes you bomb. I mean, sometimes they just oh, happens. Yeah. But but oh my god, it, it's it's. <sighs> It's the worst. It could be the worst feeling if you're just not on it and and it becomes a thing where. I, I don't know, it's it's like in a way you, you can control it and sometimes you can't. And I mean, you know, you do have off days and sometimes sometimes jokes are bad, too. Oh, yeah. Sometimes the, the joke is just a terrible joke. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's really no fault. But and you know you're trying to you're trying to breathe as much life into it as possible. But sometimes you just cannot resurrect a joke. Oh yeah, and you know? and jokes are so particular because it can be the timing, the oh, yeah. the, the emphasis, 
or even the premise can just be wrong, you know? Exactly. Well, yeah. one of the great things about, um, about, about like, you know, jokes, like say when you do, I mean, you know, it's different from like what I did on Friday, but like if you're, if you're on a, a multicam comedy and like you do the joke and the joke doesn't seem to fly with the audience, you can always change it on the fly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and, and they've done that before. I've, I've seen them like either change a joke, um, or just kill the whole thing and just be like, you know what? We, it's just not, it's, it's, you're dying up there. We're not going to do it, you know? Um, but you know, in terms of what, what's written in what you have to do in front of a live audience, like what we did at the awards, Hey brother, you got to make it work. <laughs> so, well, yeah, then you got no choice. Yeah. Yeah. So you've also got, um, a short film that you did and we talked about, we talked about its production when we originally spoke, but of course nobody got to hear that. Um, but it's a Tommy Craft short film. I believe it's on YouTube now. It is. Yes. It's called Runaway. And, um, it's, it's a great film. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's from Tommy Craft who, um, who created, um, Star Trek Horizon, uh, which, which is, done phenomenal on, on YouTube and um, it's just got some of the best uh, some of the best hits out for uh, an independent film like independent uh, Star Trek films um, but Runaway is uh, it's, 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 it's by Tommy Craft and uh, Harrison Heller and it's a sci-fi western short that's set in a not too distant future where an android fights for her life as she's racing to get to the free states sound familiar? Yeah, a little bit. It seems a little bit, yeah. um, hmm, a little bit yeah. similar to something that happened in American history, I believe. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it it kind of kind of does a does a twist on that in terms of in terms of uh, freedom and self thought and just being you know your own person and not being controlled and and um, and the people who are tasked to enforce that. So it, it deals with a lot of different things. And, um, I play, I play one of the bounty hunters. My character's name is Rensler. Uh, the people who is tasked with, um, hunting these people down and capturing them. And of course, either bringing them back or killing them as where they are. So, um, so I'm, I'm conflicted in a sense. That's a little poignant in a way, isn't it? It can be. Yeah. yeah. You can look at it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, since yeah. many police forces in this country started as a uh, runaway slave captures, um, yeah. That's a, man, we have a dark history when you look at us as a country. <laughs> oh, we do. We yeah. do. It, it's, it's, it's very, um, ah, that's a whole other show, but yeah, it, it it's, really is. It's, it, it, it's, and you know what's interesting? It's like when you, when you look at a lot of our history, um, it a lot of it is so sugar coated. I mean, if if when when you when you when you study history in school, I mean, you study the basics. And when it comes to Black history, slavery is always mentioned. But what's mentioned is such a watered down version from what actually was. And I remember studying slavery, studying history in school. Um, but before I even got deep into studying history, I, re- I remember as a kid watching Roots, the original Roots, mm-hmm. and and you know that was a week long. I think that was like the, probably if not um, if I'm not mistaken, like the first 
um, the first miniseries. And, you know, I watched it at a time when, you know, I was a kid. I had to go to bed, you know, at a, a bedtime. But I remember my mom saying that, you know, she wanted me to stay up uh, past my bedtime so I could see this and learn about my history. And and, and I remember watching this and, and still being affected by it, but then going to college and I was actually a black history minor. And I remember taking uh, studying that and, and looking back and thinking, wow, what I learned when I watched Roots was great and wonderful. But what I'm learning now, Roots, what I saw on TV compared to what I was learning then was almost like a Nickelodeon show compared to what really went down in history. And oh, yeah. Well, no, I just, so, yeah, um, yeah. Well, and if I remember correctly, you you are your mother. Let me see if I remember this right. Your mother is part Indigenous American as well as African American. Yes, yes, half Native yeah. American, half African American. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you got. Let me tell you just kind of a quick story. I'm sure you remember the movie Billy Jack. Billy. Ooh, Billy Jack. Right. Oh, you never saw it. Wait, starring who? Tom Laughlin. Ooh, you know what? I don't oh, think I shit. have. Okay, okay. When we get <laughs> when we get done here, you're gonna have to give me your address. I can mail you a DVD. Um, okay. All right. Well, basically, so this is a, a guy, the, the idea behind it is he's a, um, a Vietnam Green Beret. It came out in like 71, 72, right in there. Real low budget. Like he, his wife, and his kids wrote, directed, catered, produced. I mean, just the whole, starred in the whole bit, right? Okay. But he's a, he's a half Indian, half white Green Beret mm-hmm. who moves back to Arizona and lives on the reservation where there's like a school where any runaway kid can go, and the only thing they have to do while they're there is be creative and do something creative with their time. Right. right. Which creates a lot of problems because they have all these hippies, and they go into town, and the, you know the townies beat up the Indians and the hippies and this, that, and the other, and then it leads to this whole big blowout, and Billy Jack kills a guy, and there's this, this giant shootout. It's, it's racist cowboys and Indians is what it is right. in the 1970s. So when I grew up, I grew up in the early 70s. My parents were involved with the Native American Liberation Movement. Um, I saw Russell Means speak by the time I was three years old. Okay. Um, I was seven before I realized I was white. Mm. Uh, Because there was so much Native American stuff going on around me. Right, right, right. So because of that, I am always very... For a white guy who is middle, I'm a white, straight, middle-aged, middle-class guy, and I've always been that, yet I am very much, I would say I'm more attuned to, I am more, I have more empathy towards people who are not than a lot of my peers, I would say, just because of my, my upbringing. And I'm sure living in Santa Cruz for 10 years helped too, you know. Right, right. But, um, because of being around all that Native American movement as a kid, I certainly know more about 500 years of genocide than your average white guy who just thinks Indians made a bad land deal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's probably something similar to what you, I mean, I never studied in college the way you did, like with black history, but we do get a very spotty version of how we treated blacks and Native Americans and uh, the Japanese, to say the least, in this country. Right, right. It's it's the the story is never full. It's not a it's never a full story, and um, a lot of times it's it's um, it's very watered down or tainted or switched around. I mean, you know, not to get political, but then you know you you know you have people like Ben Carson who gets up there and starts saying how 
uh, black people were immigrants who just wanted a better life. And he didn't I just mean, say that about black people. He said that about slaves. Well, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Slave. Uh, yes, I uh, Yes, I stand corrected. Yeah. Yes. Slaves. I wanted to draw attention to the fact that we weren't talking just like a guy from from Kenya who came over here. We are talking about people who were loaded onto boats, right, and, like cattle, and brought over and traded as property. Right, chained, yeah. chained, laying down on top of each other, um, uh, in in ships. It like 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 they're stocked together, and uh, yeah, and, and I mean, I mean. There are so many things that are head scratchers that you could hear, but that thing damn near made me scratch my scalp off. And I'm yeah. just like, how on God's green earth could somebody say something like that? You know what I mean? I, amongst other things. But, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, it's just like, wow. But these are the things that that and, you know, and you're talking to people who a are old enough to remember things from 30, 40 years in the past. And then you're talking to millennials who are only like in their early twenties who are hearing these type of things. And now we're back to the whole, you know, this is what I learned in history. And now you yeah. got people like that. Yeah. Okay. So, but anyway, yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting. And, and history, I, history has to be, you know, the history books just need to be uh, restructured. I mean, I, even as a kid, I always realized that because I went to a Catholic school, uh, an all-black Catholic school, and I learned more about black history than I, I would say most kids ever learned being, like, under 10. I was learning about figures in black history that aren't even covered, even in the major history courses that we, you know, like, took in, in high school and college and stuff like that. So Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, um, so I'm going to run something by you real quick that I heard earlier today. Um, I'm, I'm struggling with myself because I'm trying not to do too much political talk, but I don't know how much longer that's actually going to be an option. <laughs> not with this administration. Exactly. Whether, whether you like it or not, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be talking about it. So well, that's, really, that's really. the thing. It's that, you know, it's, well, so they're talking about cutting the National Endowment of the Humanities and the Arts. Mm -hmm. And I guess, I don't know if this is true or not, but somebody told me that one time during World War II, they asked Churchill to cut uh, arts funding. And his response was, what are we fight? What do we fight for then? Right. I, and, I've seen, I've seen memes on that. Yeah. Yes. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but to me, it rings true. And really, what is a culture? Uh, another quote I heard this week, I wish I could properly describe it to the right person but it was he goes i don't think people are stupider now he goes but i think our culture is stupider now and there's a there's a lack of interest in yeah, there's a lack of intellectual interest and a lack of artistic interest in the world that is just stupefying to me and have i mean as an artist as somebody who does create art yeah. Have you seen this start to creep up at the edges of things yet? Or is filmmaking and television from where you stand still pretty independent of the political state? Or have you seen things, um, in, you know, you could even make it as base as just the proliferation of reality TV over the years recently mm -hmm. that appears to be coming to an end. But have you seen things where maybe this kind of thumbing down onto culture is affecting filmmaking? I think I think everything is still intact. I just think that because of the technology that we have today, 
where there's more of a rely and I, and, and I apologize that this is not necessarily answering the question, but sure. I think in terms of the, the technology that we have today and what we what we are are currently exposed to, I think we're leaning on that more as a crutch than than what we would normally lean on as just an art in general. Um, and in other words, let's put it this way. There are so many films out there that just suck. <laughs> and, and, but what I always say is a lot of reason, a lot of things that I do like about those films that suck is the technology or the special effects or the, you know, the things that we can do nowadays that makes basically everything as real as it would be if it were in real life. Perfect example. I think we all are in agreement that when we first saw Jurassic Park and we saw the appearance of those dinosaurs, our mouths just dropped because we're sitting up here looking at the realest that the realest version that we've ever seen of dinosaurs all due respect to Harry Hausen, but we took what Harry Hausen did for the millennials who don't know who Harry Hausen is. He's the one who created claymation or did claymation and was very famous for a lot of the uh, bringing dinosaurs and creatures and whatnot to life. People took his work or just that type of work and because of computer graphics and all that, made dinosaurs look like you're actually there in front of them. And I remember just like going, wow, technology, we did it. We actually did it. And, you know, over the years, of course, it improved and improved. And now we're able to do all these wonderful things with with these type of graphics in terms of uh, spaceships in space, creatures, uh, all that kind of stuff. But in in getting to my point, I feel like sometimes we, we, we rely too much on that. And we get away from a lot of the art that is um, the acting and the story, the writing um, <clears throat> and the things that um, that that really, you know, touches us and, 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 and makes us think and makes us feel um, politically. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. But yeah, I, 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 I did that answer your question. Or it it kind of did. Well, first off, I hit you with a big question out of nowhere. <laughs> so you know I, i'm no, gonna no take yeah i'm gonna take whatever answer i'm gonna roll with whatever every answer you give but it kind of makes me think of things a little bit different like you mentioned uh ray harryhausen's work right and like for me was it sinbad the trials oh what was the sinbad movie he did and then of course clash of the titans Titans, yeah yeah are the ones that i will always come back to okay. um but and they dipped in Star Wars a little bit with the little chess set on the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, you know, that was that little, little some some. Yeah, yeah. But I would say, I mean, because so much of modern technical filmmaking mm-hmm. is, a, is a result of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. You know, almost every movie. Well, fuck it. I mean, let's just call a spade a spade here. The Phantom Menace was mm-hmm. was oh, yeah. a, a shitball movie. <laughs> but holy cow, the technical achievements. That, yeah, look, they might look dated now, but you go back to 1999 and tell me anything in that movie looked dated. I mean, it, it, look, it's when you take the all the other stuff out, it was, it was a beautiful mm-hmm. sight to see. You yeah. look at it and you're just, I mean, like, look, okay, I mean, I think everybody was in agreement where they were like, whoa, you got all this stuff, and then, 
you know, episode four kicked in, you didn't have any of it until Lucas went in and, you know, added some stuff, which I didn't really mind. But, you know, I like I like the simplicity of it also. But, yeah, George Lucas went batshit crazy with episode one and two and three, you know. Um, But that was he had that technology at his fingertips. And I think in terms of him, in terms of that, he was just like, oh, my God, I can now finally do everything that I probably wanted to do with episode four when it came out in 77. You oh know? yeah, well and that's and a big then, part of it. Yeah, and even then he went back and 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 added things, and I think he added things that he actually wanted to do, you know, what it but couldn't do because of either budget or he didn't have enough people or to actually be a big thing walking and you know what I mean. So, uh, well, man. yeah, well, and that's the thing too is that he, you know he said about when he went back. Oh, excuse me, he went back and did the special editions. He said that right. a movie's never finished; it just gets abandoned. Exactly. You kind of exactly. hit that part where you're just like, ah, screw it. That's as much as I can do with what I got. Yeah. Um, but where you get these soulless, soulless feats of visual beauty, I would say pretty much fall back on, well, when it's technologically driven, fall back on Industrial Light and Magic and Star Wars. But you also have um, uh, Baz Luhrmann and Romeo plus Juliet, which oh, is, yeah. was uh, that movie there. I could just turn off the volume put on an album any album and leave that to play and just stunned by its visuals right yeah sorry hold on yep. i'm sorry sorry no. about that i i was i was trying to like close some stuff so i didn't have so much stuff uh interfering with the uh no you're not watching porn while we're talking are you no no i'm not i actually <laughs> i actually had my website up that i'm creating and i actually had it on on a video that i was that i was doing i apologize for oh that. no problem at all well what's uh, your you got your website coming up what's what is your website at uh my website will be uh www.ricoanderson.com okay yeah and that's going to be pretty much everything that is me in the entertainment industry and and still growing so it's oh, cool. it's uh yeah, yeah. No, I apologize for that. As you as you were talking, I was trying to clear some stuff out because I didn't want any, any interference because I have a seven year old computer and I'm afraid that I might have to get something, uh, get another one because it's really slow. And do you uh, do you need to call an archaeologist when it slows down on you? <laughs> I need it. I you know how you just sometimes you just want to throw the damn thing out the window. And oh just yeah. Over again. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much where I was at. Well, you got to remember you're talking to a guy who trades on a car after two years because he gets bored with it. Hey, at least you keep things up and, you know, up and running in technology and stuff well, like that. This is very true. My I, car, are, you still, are, you, are you leasing? Sorry, I didn't mean to no, no, no. You know what? I'm Because of my job, I put on way too many miles to lease. Got it. Okay. So, yeah, I have to, I really have to knuckle under and bite the bullet when I do a car. Okay. All yeah. right. Yeah. Well, hey. Yeah, because I basically I have a a, a fifty thousand dollar Bluetooth with cooled seats is what I've got, you know. Mm, okay, I, I spend right. a lot of time in the car. You hey, and and you want to have something nice? You know? Exactly, you exactly. Wanna, you don't drive a piece of shit. So no, sir. <laughs> nobody <laughs> nobody takes you serious in a in a uh, not so hot car. You know, when you're telling them to trust you with their money, they don't <laughs> they don't look yeah. at you real good. You pull up in your Pinto, your baby blue Pinto with a. Uh, shag carpet you know hey i got a buddy when he goes to like like hollywood parties or if, or if well not not so much hollywood parties but if he's going to a more like say intimate gathering where people may see his car he'll rent a car mm-hmm. 
he'll run a better car than what he has just because, hey, it, it, it's it, image is everything. Where I kind of feel like it's a little too much when you do that, but I get it. I understand it. I mean, I not being in that position, like me, I'm all voice. What's it matter to the people who listen what I drive, you know? But, but you um, still may go somewhere, though. I mean, oh, you know, yeah. you still may go to a to a place. I mean, people may still know you and see. And yeah. I know it's kind of superficial, but I, hey. You know. Yeah, but superficial has its place, too, I imagine. <laughs> We're in that business, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I talked to years ago. Um, there was a guy I met who was kind of a hotshot West Coast sales um consultant you know so okay. people paid him to come out and teach people how to sell right right and, right. and when we, were, we went to lunch and he and i were talking he goes you know he goes, the first thing you should really do in a job like this and he kind of meant something where you're seen more than just sales but something where you're shaking hands and trying to influence people and look like you know what you're doing he goes the first right. thing you do is buy a town car huh really and, yep he goes that's the first thing you do is buy a town car now i would i would say that you would change that for whatever industry you're actually in, like maybe in, you know, if you're an actor or a producer or something like that, or a director, you would buy a Tesla, I think, because you want to be kind of cutting edge and more LA and, you know, that's Tesla. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. But you know how much Teslas are? Oh yeah. Yeah. Actually, I've got a customer that has three. (laughs) It's insane. No, I got my uh, director from Dreams, my master. He has a Tesla. And that was the first time I've ever been in a Tesla. And I went, Wow, this is woo! Did he let you drive it? He didn't let me drive. No, oh, okay. I but I was like, oh my god, okay, the future is like in this dashboard right here. It yeah, it's like being uh, in a spaceship, yeah. huh? It really is. It yeah. really is. I, I mean, I get why people like them. I'm like, shoot, I, <laughs> I might have to put some money down and yeah, pull the that, trigger. That um, it takes luxury car to a whole new level. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. when I drove the one I drove, it was a customer's car, okay. and um, he just he'd jump in, take first spin. So, you know, I, I did, and we're driving, and he was okay. He goes, when we get down here to the end of the block, hit a hard U-turn. Cool. <laughs> so I yeah. I dump it, you know, I nail the I nail the accelerator, go into the turn, Rico, because my body was moving yet there was no sound from the engine. I hit right. the brake, stopped the car, and got out. It was too much. I was like, nope, no, nope, that's too weird. Too oh, weird. I've had, right, because you hear nothing. I mean, it's it's you're it's, it's yeah, it is weird. My mom is she gets weirded out by uh, electric cars because you don't hear them coming. You don't you don't yeah. you don't know you don't know. And nowadays, you know, I mean, cars are getting so much more advanced. It's it's like you're riding on a cloud after a while. Yep, it was just too weird because your inner ear is still whipping in a hard circle, yet there's no yeah. sound to go with it. Exactly. And it's exactly. Just too weird. Well, see, I was I knew this was gonna happen. You and I start talking and we just kinda wander off and talk about stuff. Um here we ran out of time, didn't we? Well we we are just up on it, but hey, so um <laughs> let's do this real quick. So you have the Young yeah. Artist Awards coming up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we believe that's coming out in April sometime, so we'll try to get a date and put that in the show notes. Okay. Um cool. your film uh Runaway was just out on YouTube and we'll make sure we get the notes on there. But you were also yeah. in uh well We'll miss, this will be out on the 28th, so we'll miss it by a week, but you will have just been in an episode of The Mick on Fox. Yes, yes, starring Caitlin Olsen, and um, yeah, so yeah, I'll be in that. That will be on Tuesday. It comes out uh, uh, every Tuesday on Fox, so I will have been in that by that time. Definitely. Yeah, time travel's weird, isn't it? It, it is, you know, yeah. and there are rules, and 
You know, don't yeah. screw up the timeline. Exactly. Don't twist the timeline, they say. You, you know, um, it's funny. I actually, you know, I, just real quick, we can talk more about this later. But sure. I actually feel like we're in an alternate timeline. Just saying. <laughs> so I, I heard a theory. My wife read it to me recently. Yeah. It, it was that we can prove life is a simulation now because of the Oscars, the wrong winner yeah. being read, the yeah. uh, the Trump presidency, because all these sure things didn't happen, and they got announced then retracted. Right. And proving that life is a simulation. <laughs> yeah. We're waiting for the person to say uh, computer and program. Yeah, kind of. That's kind of where Basically. we're at. Um, yeah, there's another voice actor I know. Um, I don't know if you've ever come across him. And of course, I mean, Chuck Huber's his name. And, and he plays Dr. McCoy in Star Trek Continues. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. So he has created a thing that they're calling Game Church, which is his belief that life is a simulation. <laughs> and that because even though it's a simulation, you have a responsibility to act morally. Mm. Um, but he and I were talking one time and I read a theory recently that if quantum mechanics is true, you're probably immortal because what happens, nothing can happen without being observed, right? Mm-hmm. So as you're going along on one timeline and say like you get hit by a car, mm-hmm. well, your consciousness would automatically have to merge into one where you lived or weren't hit by a car okay. because once you can no longer observe it it can't exist therefore they you have to move your brain your consciousness has to merge into a reality where you do still exist as an observer right which means it would keep doing that until you hit a point where immortality has been discovered wow Rep- you did all that well this is just this is just the, the uh, one of the theories we we talked about one time when he and I were talking because we sounded like a couple of stoners when we went off on this kick <laughs> It, it, it sounds pretty stonerous if you think it about it. It really does, doesn't it? Wow. All right, cool. So wow. what else you got? You what else know. you got? What else you got coming up? Um, you know, to be honest, that's that's really it. I have a couple things I can't really speak on um, until until they're completed. But I'll just say I have a couple of audio projects coming out. Um, I'm I'm constantly writing. I have I have some material that I'm writing. I have a couple of uh, graphic novels. That, that I'm constantly working on. And, um, you know, I, this business is so weird. I can, I'm, I'm saying this now and in two days I could be my, the, my next month could be completely full. So, oh, sure. Uh, yeah. So I'll, I just always say that I have always have stuff going on. But right now, as far as, um, anything, uh, definite, there is nothing, uh, major happening. Like I said, the Mick is happening and, um, and that's that's the biggest thing going on right now next to what just happened with the Young Artist Awards. I have to say also in terms of the Young Artist Awards, you know, the next day we had like this this mentorship program uh, for the winners. And it more or less in a nutshell spoke to them on how to conduct yourselves in this business that they're growing into and and um, networking and, and how that's key and very essential and how winning this award is wonderful. But there's so much more that one has to do. So um, I'm actually going to be speaking to the Young Artist Awards, uh, the Young Artist Academy, which is uh, which the Young Artist Awards came out of. And I'm going to be working with them more in the future as well. So um, that's yeah. So that's I I love working with with kids. I've been working with kids ever since I I was in my 
twenties. And so I, I, I love educating the youth of today and just helping them out. So that's always, that's, that's always a work in progress. So well, that's cool. We'll definitely keep yeah. us informed as far as that goes. And I, of course, will, uh, okay. we'll be calling upon you to return to the show as time goes. I'm certain. I would love to most yeah. definitely. Yeah. Cool. Uh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and if, um, people can also, uh, be so kind, uh, just definitely check out the website and uh, let me know what you think. But also, if you can follow me as well on um, on Twitter and Instagram, both handles are I am Rico Anderson. And lucky you got that. I hear where a lot of great handles are taken up by other people. Oh my God! Buy yeah. own your domain, your domain name, people. Own your name before somebody else does, and you're called upon to pay like twenty five hundred dollars just to get it back. Exactly, it's insane. Wow. I somebody told me that a long time ago, and I snatched it up. Exactly. All right. Well, everybody else, you can catch us at geekishcast.com. I'm on Facebook at facebook.com slash geekishcast, and I tweet from at the geekishcast. Rico, thank you for coming on. I always love talking to you. Thank you, Jeremy. I appreciate it. Definitely. And, it, and everybody else, we'll catch you later. Geekish Cast is a Vias and Victor production and is part of the Astro Panda Productions Network. You can find us now on SoundCloud and on Blog Talk Radio. Our theme music is taken from the song Out to Get Mine by Reign of Zaius. Check them out at reignofzaius.net.